Grace and peace to you, and welcome to a sermon podcast from Richfield United Methodist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Sign up for weekly digital content at richfieldumc.org. Subscribe, share, and get out there with Jesus to heal a broken world. Thanks for listening, and we hope you have a good experience. This podcast is the sermon on December 1st, 2019. Value Expansive Love is part one of the five-part worship series, Value Love. The preacher is Reverend Nate Melcher, and the scripture is Acts of the Apostles, chapter 10, verses 1 through 16. Hear these words from Acts 10. In Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of the Italian cohort, as it was called. He was a devout man who feared God with all his household. He gave alms generously to the people and prayed constantly to God. One afternoon at about three o'clock, he had a vision in which he clearly saw an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. He stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? He answered, Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa for a certain Simon who is called Peter. He is lodging with Simon a tanner whose house is by the seaside. When the angel who spoke to him had left, he called two of his servants and a devoted soldier from the ranks of those who served him. And after telling them everything, he sent them to Joppa. About noon the next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while it was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the heavens open and something like a large sheet coming down, being lowered to the ground by its four corners. In it were all kinds of four-footed creatures and reptiles and birds of the air. Then he heard a voice saying, Get up, Peter. Kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is profane or unclean. The voice said to him again a second time, What God has made clean, you must not call profane. This happened three times, and the thing was suddenly taken up to heaven. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I've been reading a pocket full of books to help me with my sermon crafting process as we're journeying through Acts for the year, and one of them has been really great. It's a book called Intrusive God, Disruptive Gospel. Intrusive God, Disruptive Gospel. It's by Professor Matt Skinner. He was one of my New Testament professors at Luther Seminary, so there's a personal connection there. I just, it's like I'm hearing his lectures as I read him. But this is one of those books where the title kind of says it all. You know those books where you just, the title says the whole thing. Intrusive God, Disruptive Gospel. In Intrusive God, just when we think we're done or we think we've got it all figured out, God taps us on the shoulders or maybe shakes us awake. And a Disruptive Gospel, the good news of the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, doesn't just let you live the way you want to live, but empowers you to live the way that God would have you live. In Advent, we're exploring the story piece by piece, and it's filled with the God who is as intrusive to the figures of the story as God is in our own lives. And the gospel good news of Jesus keeps disrupting the easy road out of doing the hard work and puts us on the path of something better. 
let's take, let's take today's section of the story. We're going to take it piece by piece. And as you hear what happens, I'm going to pose some questions to you. And you might consider what situations or what people come to your mind personally. Maybe jot down some of your thoughts as we go. Here's the first part of that story again, the first eight verses about Cornelius. In Caesarea, there is a man named Cornelius, a centurion of the Italian cohort, as it was called. He was a devout man who feared God and all, with all of his household. He gave alms generously to the people and prayed constantly to God. One afternoon at about three o'clock, he had a vision in which he clearly saw an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. He stared at him in terror and said, what is it, Lord? He answered, your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa for a certain Simon who was called Peter. He is lodging with Simon, a tanner, who has a house by the, on the seaside. When the angel who spoke to him had left, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from the ranks of those who served him. And after telling them everything, he sent them to Joppa. When you wake up and get ready for the day, do you, and you're going to encounter other people throughout the day, do you ever think about how they're starting their day? Like as you're brushing your teeth before you go out on Black Friday, are you thinking about the store clerks and associates brushing their teeth, getting ready for good for Black Friday? Or uh, when you wake up to read your morning paper, do you think about how much earlier the person who delivered your paper had to get up to get it to your door? Do they think about you? This part of the story is this glimpse at who Simon Peter will meet later, a non-Jewish Roman centurion who respects God. That's a juxtaposition. This is not the kind of person Simon Peter expects to encounter willingly. And why should he? Peter is a good Jew. Cornelius is a Gentile. And he's a centurion. So he's the oppressor. He's with Rome. He's the enemy. And even though he's doing all this great stuff, he's generous with his alms and prayers and so on, all of that doesn't put him on Peter's radar. Are there people who are off of your radar? Maybe, maybe you're 85 and you don't expect to see a lot of five-year-olds on a day-to-day -day basis. Or maybe, maybe you intentionally avoid people who are different than you. Or maybe you avoid people, but you don't even realize you're avoiding them until the moment comes. Maybe, maybe you're a Democrat who doesn't expect to encounter a Republican, or vice versa. Do we have circumstances or reasons why we try to keep people who are different than us off our radar? What makes Cornelius different is that he fears God. Now, this is not the form of fear where it's terror fear. This is more of the devout reverence. Probably, he's doing this under the radar of Rome's boot. He represents Rome's boot, but I bet you Rome doesn't know that he is devout to this God, this God who he has found and heard of from the Jews who are under his power to be intriguing enough that he's going to be a devout follower. This is an intrusive God who's working on him and has been for some time. And then he does experience terror. He has this vision from God that he's on the right track. Send for Simon Peter. Take the next big step. That's how it goes, right? 
You go about life, it's great, then boom, big vision, you automatically go, great, I'll just go for the next step. Most people I know need a little persuasion. Time to stew, to, to get, maybe I'll get back to you in a while, God. People take a little time. Have you seen those people on The Price is Right who just stare blankly into the audience and the audience is just screaming numbers at them? They're like, can I just have a couple minutes to decide? Sometimes, even if they look terrified, the answer has to be now. Cornelius does have an answer. You can always tell who the most obedient people in the Bible are because there's often some sort of command from God, and then the next sentence is essentially that person fulfilling that command. So as we near Christmas Eve and we hear that nativity story, you'll see that one of the most obedient people in the Bible is Joseph as you watch this pattern over and over. But here we have the same thing with Cornelius. There's a vision from God. Send men to Joppa and find Simon Peter. Cornelius, men, go to Joppa. Find Simon Peter. Is this a trance? Is this devotion? Maybe it's hope. Maybe it's hope that the next big step with God is worth the risk. When you think that you're ready for the next big step, who do you turn to in your life because you know that they believe in you. They won't just roll with the decision, but they truly believe in you, and they'll ask you the tough questions. They'll pray for your success, and they'll be with you through thick and thin. Is it a spouse or a best friend, a sibling or a mentor? Who has God put in your life for such a time as this? Meanwhile, Acts chapter 10, verses 9 through 11. Meanwhile, about noon the next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat, and while it was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the heaven opened up and something like a large sheet coming down, being lowered to the ground by its four corners. This is like the Bible's version of saying, meanwhile, back on the ranch. We're transitioning here. We turn to Simon Peter, this disciple screw-up turned apostle mastermind. And we have been proud of Peter in Acts. If we think about the stories we've explored this year, at Pentecost, when everyone's caught up in the Holy Spirit, they ask, what does this mean and what should we do? And Peter articulates, this is the Holy Spirit, we shall serve the Holy Spirit. He is healing in the name of Jesus. He's teaching in the name of Jesus. He's spreading the gospel in the name of Jesus. And he's intruding on the way it's always been in the name of Jesus. And for all the times that he messed up in the gospels, when he sinks in the water, when he has his doubting moments, when he thinks he's got it figured out and he doesn't, and when he denies Jesus three times, all of these times where he messed up, for all those here in the Acts of the Apostles, he has stepped up as a leader, as an apostle. I wonder if some people had to take a long time to believe he was making a turn. If people limited him to his mistakes for a while. Has anyone ever told you that you're nothing more than when they saw you at your worst? 
Have you ever had a picture of someone in mind and thought, well, they're always going to be like that. They're never going to grow. Here, Simon Peter, the apostle teacher, is more like Simon Peter, the disciple student. And in this story, he's a slow learner. Like Cornelius, he has a vision from God, and he falls into this trance, and it gives him this moment in his life to be open to receiving from God. It's, it's like adjusting the rabbit ears on an old television set. Uh, it's like holding up your cell phone, trying to find signal. It's like throwing out different technology analogies to a mixed-age crowd in a church. Now, I love how weird this moment is because I love weird moments. Because often, uh, these are God moments. These are conflex moments. These are moments where our life's journey meets God's heart. And I love how weird this moment. Have you ever had a conflex moment when it was just you and God? Maybe you, you entered a labyrinth and then you walked out a little wiser. Or you meditated or you prayed and you honestly lost track of time. Or you sat on the dock as the sun glittered on the water or on the hilltop as the moonbeams bathed on the tall grass or in the rocker as the fire danced over the logs. We've all had what appears to be on the surface these absent-minded moments of stillness. Perhaps these are the moments when we let our guard down and God can step in in that intrusive way. It continues, Acts 10, verses 12 through 14. In the sheet that came down from heaven, held by all four corners, in the sheet, there were all kinds of four-footed creatures and reptiles and birds of the air. Then Peter heard a voice saying, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is profane or unclean. When Peter dreams of God, Peter dreams of dinner and laundry. All the different food and a sheet to put it on. Animals to eat and the sheet to hold it, but they're not just any animals. Simon Peter is a good, devout Jew. And that means that he grew up with the law. And the law is the way to show God's way. It's how they organized, it's how they structured their lives. He had a certain upbringing, and that certain upbringing, it shapes his neuropathways, like all of our upbringing shapes our neuropathways. And he sees things a certain way. He sees the world a certain way, and he's been quite certain that the certain way he knows is God's certain way. And that includes animals that he can eat and animals that he can't eat. And even animals that he can eat, if they're touching the ones that he can't, they're now unclean and he cannot eat those. And here they all are on this sheet. Have you ever held a sheet at all four corners and tried to keep two objects on the sheet from touching each other? Good luck with that. So they're all intermingled. And he hears this voice says, go, kill and eat. The very thought disrupts his entire worldview, his God view. Now, there's nothing archaic or wrong about this. I want to make that clear. The law is how the Jews organize themselves. They're set apart by God, and these are some of the marks by which they have said, we're going to set ourselves apart to serve God. This is what they've constructed, and it works for them. 
There's nothing wrong with that. It works for them. Uh, it works because there's a need for something. There's a need for identity. What is it about your identity that sets you apart? Is it your heritage or ethnicity, your gender, your age, your vocation or work, your political party, your theology, your philosophy? Is it that you're happy about the Badgers winning the battle axe, or are you a gopher fan in need of condolences? I can pray with you after worship if you'd like. Some things, many things in our upbringing set us apart, and it makes us who we are, and that can be good. Now, Peter hears this voice from God telling him, one of the things that you've decided sets you apart uh, your certain way, I'm not as worried about that. I'm telling you, it's okay to mix it up, and there is a new way. And Peter says, well, God, I would never do that. And this is where Peter's a slow learner. He denied Jesus three times, and now he's denying God in this vision? Well, at least he won't do it three times like last time, right? Oh, wait. Acts 10, verses 15 through 16. The voice said to him again a second time, what God has made clean, you must not call profane. This happened three times, and the thing was suddenly taken up to heaven. Okay, so Peter may have denied Jesus, or sorry, rather, well, God, Jesus, may have denied God three times again. Now, it's not explicitly there, but it's potentially implied. And this vision essentially says that what you keep separate God says, put it together. My certain way is a new way, and I want you on board with it. Yet we resist this all the time, and we resist it with people quite a bit. We draw lines in the sand. We're ready to tell people off. Sometimes we practice our speeches, or we write them off. Ah, oh, I don't need to see them anymore. Keep them off the radar. Now, if that's trauma, if there's genuine hurt, that's one thing. I'm never going to tell somebody, oh, uh, you need to go have coffee with the person who assaulted you. It's not about that. If it's trauma, that's one thing. However, if it's simply about annoyance or frustration or fearing the other because they're different and you don't get it? I wonder if God is calling us to expand our hearts. Does God see how we separate ourselves and say, that's not how my love works? Does God see us split up our culture in an us versus them and say, my love is bigger than your divisions? Does God see us roll our eyes at them and say, hey, I love you even on your most annoying days. At Thanksgiving, we do a lot of things to expand the table. So maybe some of you, if you were gathered with a family or friends for Thanksgiving this weekend, you maybe use one of these, the leaf. Ever use one of those to expand the table? It's like a transformer leaf. It's really nice. So we use these leaves to expand the table, make it as big as we possibly can, and, and so that gets us all set up, and that's great. Uh, 
maybe some of you for Thanksgiving use one of these. The kitty table. Anybody remember the kitty table? Any of you sat at the kitty table? Yeah, I've sat at a kitty table once or twice in my day. Uh, it's an interesting phenomenon, isn't it? It's, uh, you know, the kids, they can have their thing over here, and they're just fine. And the adults, they'll have their thing over here, and they're just fine. Now, I think this is okay if it's done with good intention. So to me, if it's done to give kids the hospitality they need so they can actually enjoy their meal together, I'm all for it. If it's honestly an issue of space and furniture limitations and accessibility, I get that too. If it's, well, let's give them the kitty table to get them out of our hair, or because they'll ruin dinner, or because they'll be intrusive and disruptive, I think that attitude's a little sad. Maybe God's message to Peter is this. It's not about separate tables. Maybe it's about the one table. This new thing I'm doing is for every single person. Maybe God's table isn't a table at all. I wonder, is God's table all leaves? And you just keep adding another one, and another one, and another one. God's love always expanding. So what will Simon Peter do? We're going to pick up the story next week. Pastor Ruth is going to preach and let us know what Peter's going to do. What would you do if you found out that God's love expands past what you thought possible? What would you do? If God's table is all leaves and you are just as welcome at the table by Jesus than anyone else, what would you do? Friends, may we enter Advent open to what God shares with us. And may all of humankind experience the expansive love of Jesus. May it be so, and amen. This has been a sermon podcast from Richfield United Methodist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Copyright 2019. Now, go into God's world, knowing you are a beloved child, and bear witness to the love of God, so that those to whom love is a stranger will find in you a generous friend. Thanks for listening.